Way do we get some freedom going on in that one, okay? Now, don't be hard on yourselves, okay? You're not going to walk out of here sin-free today, okay? You might continue to procrastinate a little bit, or you might continue to be apathetic a little bit, but now you've claimed that and you recognize that, and now the Holy Spirit says, let's start moving forward. And so you have a responsibility in this to meet God in this thing and to continue to take steps and continue to claim that you're no longer a slave to that and continue to move towards being that overcomer and taking victory in that area. And guess what happens when you get victory in one area of sin? Another one rises up that you didn't even know was there. And you go, oh, well, now I'm a slave to that sin. And God goes, yeah, but now you know how to take care of that. So let's get on with the job. And this is called the process of what? Sanctification. Sanctification. I'm sanctified when I get saved, and then the process of sanctification begins, which is that moving me into the fullness of who I am as a Christian. And I love it. There's a movie. I have to share this real quick. But there's a movie, um, Princess Diaries, um, with what's her name? And, um, yeah, with Hathaway. And I love, there's a scene in there that just struck me when I saw it, and, I, and it's just always stuck with me. So she finds out she's a princess, and the queen comes, and she takes her to the house because they're going to train her now how to act like a princess, and because she's a princess. So there's that whole scene where she's trying to show her how to use teacups and how to walk right and everything, and she's falling all over the place and dropping things, and it's hilarious. And then she's finally just really beat down, and they're sitting at the table, and she says to her, I just can't do this. I'll never be a princess. And what does she say to her? These are some wise words, ladies. She says, you already are a princess. What we're doing is just helping you to become what you already are. And that's what sanctification is. You are already children of God. You are already co-heirs with Christ. You are already beautiful and wonderful and et cetera, et cetera. You are already those things. But God is now refining you and molding you to actually fit into what you already are. And so how exciting is that? And he who began a good work is what? Faithful to complete it to the day that I stand before Christ. So God never stops working in your life. Amen? Amen. All right, so now we're going to look at the next section, which is that I am no longer under the law. Under the law. Okay? Now, this is an interesting one because, you know, we have kind of some different ideas about what the law is, so to speak. So right off the bat, what do you think of when you think of the law? Yeah, we right away we go, oh, the Ten Commandments. Okay, now are we no longer under the law of the Ten Commandments? Uh, <laughs> I like that. Okay, uh, everybody's kind of like, I don't know. Okay, what was the purpose of the law? To reveal sin and to reveal to us our need for a Savior because the law is perfection. Okay? And are any, is anybody perfect here today? No, no. Okay. So we're not perfect. We know this. Okay? And so I can never meet the law, the line of the law, because it would mean perfection. Okay? So Christ came and fulfilled the law. Okay? Now, what does that mean? Okay? Because I think we say that, but we don't really wrap our brain around what this idea of Christ fulfilled the law. He didn't come to do away with the law. But to fulfill the law. So somebody talk to me. What do you what do you think when you think Christ came to fulfill the law? What does that mean? He, complete. he completed the law. And what does that mean? In terms of how it affects me. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, but think about this, okay? I want you to follow this, okay? The law, the only way the law could be fulfilled was by perfection, okay? Because in order for the law to be fulfilled, there had to be somebody who could perform all of the law. So they would have to be perfect and completely sin-free because the Bible says if you fail in one, you fail in all, okay? If you fail in one, you fail in all. So God said, there is no one perfect, no, not one. So nobody in my creation can fulfill this law. So it's going to continue to be this burden that drives people down in their imperfection and in their sin. And I need to do something about that. Now, of course, we know that that whole sin started because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, and we don't need to go all the way back to that. Okay, So follow me here. Okay, so Jesus came to fulfill the law for you and for me. He came as the perfect human being so that he could then do all that the law required. And then that frees me from the law. Why? What's a verse that you think of? It is finished. Absolutely. But what else? Actually, Teresa spoke the verse this morning. In the middle of Christ is what? What does that mean? I am hidden in Christ. Okay. Or in Galatians 2.21 it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave his life for me. Okay. I am hidden in Christ. So what that means is that when I stand before the law, who stands before me? Christ stands before me as the fulfillment of the law for me. That's awesome. That is awesome, ladies. We are really, really happy about that. We probably don't have any idea how happy we are about that. Okay? You know, the Old Testament, before the New Covenant, before the New Dispensation, so to speak, they didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. So they had to live by the law and by the rules. And when they broke them, which was constantly, then they had to provide sacrifice. And I think about all the thousands of animals they sacrificed. Oh, my gosh. I can't even, like, fathom the literally the, the rivers of blood that flowed out of the temple. I mean, it's, it really, if you think about it, it's a horrifying thing, something we've never witnessed, and I don't think I would want to. Okay? So then the new covenant comes in, and God says, okay, we're going to do away with this. And we're going to change everything up, and we're going to make it about grace and mercy and freedom. So he sent Christ to do multiple things, and one of those was to fulfill the law so that I can stand hidden in Christ, and I can be perfect in him, and I am no longer under the law and under the bondage of the law now, because Christ has fulfilled that for me. Praise the Lord. Uh-huh. So, too, if you think about the, the Old Testament and the, the, the laws, the entire laws, and then the Sets apart. Mm-hmm. Amen. Exactly. Very good. Good. Good stringing together of that whole idea. So, so that's the continuing, but it looks very different now, because God wants us to have freedom and abundance in in the law now, in that change, in that shift of the law. Okay. So, why do I say then we're no longer under the law? If we're in Christ, then we're no longer under the law, right? 
But then something happens, okay? So let's go over to back to Romans, and we're going back to chapter 6 of Romans because we're going to continue on with Paul's dissertation. I always tell people, if you're struggling with things, this is what you should be reading. So we're going to start in verse 15 of chapter 6 now. Or no, I'm sorry, we're going to go to chapter 7. Um, although we're going to read 6.15 real quick. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law now but under grace? Certainly not. Okay? Um, and he goes on to say, Who you present yourself slaves to obey, that one slave you will be, whether it's leading to death or obedience that leads to righteousness. And I forgot to add that in our last one, but that should have been part of that. So now we're going to go on and we're going to look at free, freedom from the law. Okay? So we're going to go down to 7.4. Therefore, my brethren... You also become dead to the law through the body of Christ. Okay, so that's that idea of being hidden in Christ. That you may be buried to another, to him who was raised from the dead. That we should bear fruit to God. And then it skips down and says, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Okay? So this is the idea that we get to serve God, not because we have to, because of a bunch of rules and regulations and laws, but we get to serve God because we want to. It should be fun. It should be exciting. It should be a blessing. It should be an honor to serve God because of all that he's done and because of who he is and what a great master he is. All right? So that's that change, that I serve God from the spirit and not from the law. Okay? But let's go over to Galatians because something interesting happened here. And I think in Galatians we see it the best, although there are several places where Paul talks about this, but particularly with the church in Galatia. And what happened with the church in Galatia is that they got saved, they were doing really great, and then what happened to them? They returned to the law, okay? So he says to them, um, well, first of all, in chapter 2, what happens here is we have this story about Peter, and Peter is there with the church, and then he's like mixing with the Gentiles and eating with them and everything, and everything's going great. And then some of the guys from Jerusalem show up, and what does Peter do? Oh, I can't eat with them anymore because they're not clean. And it caused such a ruckus that it actually even caused Barnabas, the son of encouragement, to stumble. And then Peter got rebuked, right? Paul was like, what are you doing? Like, you just set up a law now and you drew a line. You don't have any business doing that. Because we're all one and equal in Christ. And so your testimony, I mean, like that was just, a, it was a mess. And so he rebuked Peter publicly for doing that, you know, and, and tried to restore that situation, okay? So going on, it says, and, and then we see that verse 2, 20 and 21 in, in uh, uh, Galatians where it says, I've been crucified with Christ. So then we go on to um, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth. Before those eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or did you receive the Spirit by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So, what happened here, and there's another verse, I'm not seeing it right off the top, and, but I, it says that, oh, you foolish Galatians, why are you going to put yourself back under the law, basically, is what it says, okay? So, 
Um, moving on from that, because that was more like they were dealing with putting themselves back under the Jewish law, a lot of that, you know, and we know the Jewish law was like ridiculous, 600 and some laws that nobody could keep, and burden, 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 laws, washing your hands, all these things. But what is the law, what, what is the law for us today? If I said to you, oh, you foolish Calvary Chapel women, are you going to put yourself back under the law when she started in the spirit? What might that look like in your life? How do you put yourself under the law? Yeah. Working really hard for Jesus. Let's work really hard for Jesus. I got to do more. Got to do more. Got to do more. Because Jesus will be more pleased with me. God will love me more. I got to hope that I'm going to get into heaven, so I better work really hard and I better do more. Okay? How many of you have been in that little, what do we call that? The... Guinea, guinea pig <laughs> circle. Got to do more, got to do more, got to do more. Okay? That's a law. Did God set that law up for you? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is a law that you created and put on yourself. What are some things within that law that you created? What are some things that might be there? Besides doing more, more, more. Okay. Um... You know, I have to get up, and at 9 o'clock every morning, I have to read my Bible for 30 minutes. And I'm going to tell everybody, did you know I get up at 9 o'clock every morning and read? Oh, no, here's the one. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I read my Bible for an hour. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I get on my knees by my bed, and I pray for an hour. It's religion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the foxhole confession? Yeah, yeah. Lord, if you get me out of this, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah, okay. So we create law, okay? Now, why do we create law? Yeah, because as humans, in our humanity, we actually like structure. We like boundaries. They make us feel safe, you know? And God says, blow the boundaries out. Let's go have some fun, you know? But it's hard for us. Because in our humanity, because we live with inside time, we live very confined. You know, God lives outside of time. I can't even fathom what that would be like. But my whole life is directed by time. You know, the clock and the schedule and all of that. So I'm very direct. So I, I live in a very slim area. And so I like boundaries and things. Like, I feel like, okay, you know, I know what I can, you know. But we can turn that into religion. We can turn that into law. And then we can put ourselves under that law, and we feel safer there. But then what else happens? We begin to do what? Put other people under our law. Oh, you know, if she was really a Christian, she wouldn't do this. If she was really a Christian, she would do that. So now, not only have I created my own law, but now I've put everybody else under my law. So now I've made myself out as God. And I've got a law, and I've got a good thing going on. And, you know, it's, it's, again, one of those, those fine lines of balance. Because, yes, we want to be people of truth, and, yes, we want to live in the truth. But truth with love is a very different thing from truth with law. Relationship is a very different thing from religion. And too often we get ourselves over into the box of the law and the, and the, and the religion and the performance And God says, no, you are no longer under a law. Quit putting yourself back under your own laws. Be free. Now, does that mean we should be irresponsible? 
No, but it kind of sounds like that when I say it, right? Like, oh, just don't do anything, you know, whatever. No, obviously, we're not to be irresponsible, okay? I know that I need to be reading the Bible, not because I have to, not because it will prove how Christian I am, not because I want to brag to people. Why do I read my Bible? Yeah, for guidance. I, I read my Bible because it's the Word of God. It's the, it's the completed word of God that was brought for our purposes. And God, you know what God says about his word? He says, the word is above even my name. He says, everything else will fade away, but my word will stand forever. Do you think that God thinks his word's important? Oh, yeah. It is paramount. It is the reason that he gave it to us. It is paramount in our lives. That is why I read my Bible. Not because I want to prove how spiritual I am, but because I understand that that is where I'm going to find guidance and everything that I need for life and for godliness. Amen? So it's the motivation of the heart, isn't it? I don't read my Bible because I'm under some law. And if that's why you're reading your Bible, then you need to ask the Lord to begin to change your perspective in your heart. That you would want to read your Bible because you desire desperately to know God and to be changed. Amen? Same thing with prayer. We can apply that same kind of idea. Yeah, I need to be praying. There is no question. The Bible speaks on and on and on about prayer and the importance of prayer. So again, why do I pray? Do I pray in front of people? Oh, Lord. And I want everybody to see how, wow, I've got these brilliant prayers going on. You know, are you standing in a prayer circle thinking about what you're going to pray by some, while someone else is praying? Because you want to sound really good? Okay, you're all convicted right now. You're going, yeah, I do that sometimes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is a, that is, a, I'm planning because I've got my idea, my laws, my rules, my whatever, and I, and I want to fit within that structure of how I pray so that people will go, wow, did you hear how she prayed? Oh, my goodness. Why do I pray? I pray because that's how I communicate with my God, with my Father, with my Ada. And I pray because I honestly believe that he's leaning towards me, listening for my prayers so he can answer them. So why do I pray? So again, do I pray because of religion and law, or do I pray because of relationship? Amen. To cultivate a relationship. Exactly. You see the difference? So what happened with the Galatians is they moved away from this idea of relationship and they were moving themselves back into this religion. And they were performing in the law again. And God says, you are no longer under the law, but you are under grace. Do we like that? What is grace? Unmerited favor. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's that I get everything for doing nothing. I get everything for doing nothing. Is that crazy? That's crazy. That goes completely against our humanity. Because we are driven to perform. You know, we have the saying here in, in a world that nothing's free. Right? You gotta perform, you gotta work, you gotta do for everything you get. And God says, uh-uh. With me, you don't do nothing. But just come to me and be with me. That's grace. So that means if you miss your Bible reading, 
God's not up there going, dang, I can't believe you didn't read your Bible today. What's wrong with you? You're not a real Christian. No. God's like, it's okay. No problem. We'll get back on it. That's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. You know, that he knows that we struggle and that we fail and that we're human and all of those things, but he doesn't see us that way. He doesn't see us that way. He's always for us. Isn't that exciting? Okay, so so the law will drive us to perform. And there's way too much performing going on in the body of Christ these days. Way too much performing. And I'm sorry, I love the church. But some of the things that are going on in the church right now with these big mega churches and all the performance-oriented stuff, it breaks my heart. You know, there's the old saying that if the Holy Spirit left the church, probably 80% of the churches in the U.S. would just keep right on meeting and doing what they're doing. Because it's not the spirit leading. It's the law of man leading. I had some really good friends that got involved in a big mega church in Chicago. And they were in leadership. And the demands put on them were mind-boggling. In preparation for every Sunday, they were part of the whole, like, media worship stuff. And they were putting on performances every Sunday and plays and music and and they worked, like, hours every day. Like, they'd get off work from their regular job, and they'd go to the church and work till 10 o'clock at night, preparing for the next Sunday. It was just intense pressure, and it was law. And it was like, if you don't perform, you are a loser. And they finally just choked on it and came out of there. And they were like, what was that? That wasn't from the Holy Spirit, you know? And they would prepare their plays and their stuff months in advance, where is the Holy Spirit in that? I mean, I don't think Don's going to prepare for Sunday probably until today and yesterday, you know, like he's been reading all week. But then he's going to sit down and go, okay, now I'm going to prepare. What do you want to say, Holy Spirit? You know, but when someone's planning like way out here, the Holy Spirit's not, you know, unless they're willing to let it flow, which most of them don't, you know, like, I, I, you know, I get up at worship and I go, oh, I'm going to change a song. Some people would freak out. You can't change the song. We've got the words up here, and you gotta, you got to stick with those words. And you can't sing the chorus again. We didn't put it up there. No. You know, that's the law. That's not God's heart. It's not God's heart. So we're no longer under the law, okay? So I don't know that I'm going to talk a whole lot about this. I'm going to give you a few verses that you can read on this because I think it's pretty clear. We looked at Galatians, so we see that. Galatians 3, 1 through 4, and Galatians 2, 19 and 21. Um, Romans 7, we read that one. And then Romans 8, 1 and 2, which is one of my all-time favorite verses and one that every one of us should memorize. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us what? Free. Free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. I use that verse all the time when I'm starting to feel bogged down with performance or expectation, either from myself or from other people. And I say, there is no condemnation for me because the law of the Spirit has set me free and I am no longer under the law that leads to sin and to death. You know, when you're under the law, it's going to lead you to sin because sooner or later you're going to get tired, angry, disappointed, uh, burned out, you know. And, and what's that going to do? It's going to drive you to anger and to, like, you know, I don't want to be, what I, you know. That's sin. So that law will drive you in the wrong direction if you let it. So, again, let's take out a card. And you're going to write one, two, three again. 
And then you're going to pray, and you're going to ask the Lord where you've set up law in your life. And ask him to show you. And maybe it's in, maybe it's in the expectation. Law, a lot of times, is expectation. The expectations of your children and how they act or what they do or don't do. Don't put law on them. Don't put law on them. Give them direction, instruct them, lead them in relationship, but don't put law on them. You know? Or maybe it's just in your own life. You've set up this law and you have to perform all the time. You know? Maybe you have expectations on your marriage and you want your marriage to look a certain way, so you've set up this idea of what you think it should be. That's a law. Let go of that. You need to let people be who they are going to be, and you need to learn to be who you're going to be. So where do you have law? Are you really hard on yourself when you don't do something right? That's law. Write it down. Let go of it. Say, I'm, I'm no longer under this law. I'm not going to force this issue on myself or on other people any longer. A lot of times we perform because we want to gain favor with God, with man. That's law. The Pharisees, they're a perfect example for us of law. Don't be a Pharisee. Do's and don'ts. Well, good Christians do this and they don't do that. That's law. Yeah, the Bible teaches us, but it's not my business to make sure that you're performing the law. That's between you and God. I need to love and extend grace and mercy because I want that extended to me, don't I? If you have an area of law, it'll cause a critical spirit. Guarantee you. So if you've got an area of critical spirit, look at it closely. Somewhere in there you've set up a law. And, of course, law will always cause us to find value in what we're doing, not in who we are. And you can get really lost in that one. I've been there in my younger days for many years. It's all about what I did. And if I just did more and did it better. It's a trap. Now that you have maybe written down a few things or you're starting to kind of see and that's being opened up to you, don't give up on that. Keep pursuing that understanding of that and ask the Lord to show you. And then what are you going to do about those areas where you have law? And again, it's going to be that you're going to go to the Word and you're going to really look. What, what really will help you in, in moving away from putting yourself under law and putting others under law is understanding the difference between religion and relationship. Moving out from underneath religion and back into a personal relationship with God 
through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So seeking relationship with all of its messiness and all of its mistakes and all of its challenges, seeking relationship. And then seeking for others to have that relationship. This is exactly what Jesus said when, he, when they said, how do you fulfill the law? And he said, the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is relationship. And then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. That is relationship. That moves us away from religion. If I am loving my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to put them under law because I don't want myself put under someone's law. And then this is what it says in Galatians 5 to wrap this up. It says, Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage to the law. Amen? So it's a matter of evaluating and looking for signs of that law type of thing. Okay? And it will come mostly in the things that you do. You know? And, and where are you at in that? So it's a, it's a good area to spend some time evaluating. You've written down maybe a few things, and you think I'm probably a little bit too stiff with myself on my Bible reading and devotions, or I'm probably a little bit too in the high expectation with my kids, or I'm probably like a little bit too critical of the people in the church or whatever. Look at those things and say, okay, so somewhere in there I have set up a law or a rule that I think those people should be performing under, and I need to let go of that. I need to let go of that and love people, not because they perform for me, because I don't want to perform for God. He doesn't want my performance. He doesn't want my sacrifice. He wants my obedience. Okay. So ask the Lord to show you where you've set up law, and it's time to have victory over it and say, I am no longer under that law, and I'm not going to put anybody else under that law anymore. And you speak that out, and you keep going after that until you're an overcomer in that area. And again, what it's going to result in is freedom in your own life. These are all things that bring you deeper into freedom. Because there is no freedom in living under a law. There's no freedom in putting other people under a law. It's not a fun place to be, honestly. Because then you're just like, why don't they do what I want them to do? And, you know, and that's no fun, you know. So this is another area where you can come into deeper freedom. Just like if you are no longer a slave to your sin, you'll be freer. So they all add up to make us more free and more abundant in our relationship with God. Amen? All right. Anybody else have anything they want to share on this? Any thoughts about the law? Any questions about it? It's kind of a, you know, it's a hard one, but hopefully you've got enough there that you can all of a sudden go, oh, gosh, I do do that. And then you can see where you've decided to make a rule of performance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The one thing that I pray, because I'm not, sometimes not comfortable in the skin of being a pastor's wife, because I know how much I sin and how much I need Jesus. I'm not comfortable being up here. Believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert, I do well way up here, but boy, let me get home and have my quiet space. And sometimes I crave that more than being here, but I know my calling. I know God has put in my heart almost 40 years ago that he wanted me to serve in women's ministry, whatever that looked like. 
and it's changed over the years. But the one thing I've prayed over the years is, Lord, make me more hungry for you than anything else. I want to know Jesus deeper. I want to know more. And whatever that takes, whatever circumstance I find myself in, may it be that I turn to him. And that's what I want for you guys. It doesn't matter. We all have different circumstances in our lives right now, today. Excuse me, I have a mint in it. So that's my prayer for you guys. That no matter what you hear today, that that the the end of Galatians five twenty something. Well, at the very end of it, we start with the first, at the very end it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also what? Walk. And that walking is the very relationship that Brooke's talking about. So walking with the Lord, getting to know him deeper and stronger and more personal, when you do that, he will show you more of the areas we kind of get stuck in. All right? So thank you for that, Brooke. That was amazing.